My name is Manzi, I am a Rekajina, and uh, I'm glad and privileged, honored really, to be, to be, pre <laughs> to be preaching. I thank Ayavari for calling me and giving me the opportunity. I'll be sharing from Ephesians chapter 3, and the title is The Mystery of Christ. If you have seen the word of service, this portion is really speaking about the mystery of Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a time as this. We thank you that... You honor us, Lord. We thank you that you can give us an opportunity to come and study from your word, an opportunity that saints in ages past didn't have, an opportunity that even some in the persecuted church all over the world don't have. So, Father, we thank you and we don't take it for granted. Uh, please teach us from your word. May you quiet in every spirit. May you make our hearts fertile soil for your word. May we learn together. In Jesus' name, I prayed. Amen. All right, so yeah, our text is Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, like I've mentioned, my name is Manzi Kajina. I didn't come with my wife and my children. This is like the 10th time I'm coming alone. It's too sad, but such is life. Um, but I'm married to Agatha, I'm married to your gender. We have two children, Ajuna Calvin, Atangaza Loro, Itungo, right? Um, yeah, I teach, I teach cybersecurity at Isbat University. Yeah, that's all for introductions, okay? So let's get into today's uh, preaching. Um, by way of introduction, have you ever felt like an outsider? Have you ever felt like you were somewhere that you didn't belong, right? I listened to Rev. Ayavari uh, someone last week, and it was excellent. And he mentioned these examples and analogies. And I thought I would start from there. Actually, if you hear me copying the whole sermon, please uh, forgive me, but it's similar. It's a continuation of what we studied last week. So, yeah, have you ever entered a room and you feel like, mm, mm, here I feel like I'm not fitting, right? Uh, personally, it's if I go like, to a bar, I'm like, mm, this place is, is not okay. But sometimes you have to go for work or meetings or, or things like that. Um, some of you, it's church. You come to church and you're like, eh, why sit in the tent, right? Shots, shots fired, <laughs> But that is the environment in which this text is, 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 is coming to us. This portion of scripture is what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And there, is, there are some issues, right? You don't write for nothing. Paul is writing because there are some issues. Um, I remember watching a movie once and... Uh, it's a period piece, so something from 15th century, 16th century, where there are, there are classes of people, right? You have what we call the nobility. Did you guys, did you guys study history? Do you remember the bourgeoisie? You remember, eh? So we have the nobles, then we have the commoners. Uh, the commoners are you and I. You are an everyday person. We see you every day. Eh? But there's a guy who said he's not an everyday person. Do you remember that guy? I think, was it Ken Luchamuzi or someone else? I'm not an everyday person. right? But in this uh, history uh, period piece, we have, of course, the nobles, then the, the ordinary guys. And the nobles are people who have royal blood. Maybe your father is a king, your mother is a queen. Maybe you're related to the ruling class through marriage. And uh, something funny about monarchies in England the monarchs believed that they were chosen by God, right? There's a theory we call the divine right of kings, that you rule, 
that God, for them they believe God was tired of micromanaging. So he put in place kings to manage, to administrate his subjects. And sadly they, they use scripture. So they go to Samuel, first Samuel, and they see how Saul was anointed king. So that's where the church has to anoint the king. In England there's a new king called King Charles. His uh, consecration will be sometime this year. But yeah, they believed that they were ruling on God's behalf. And they also go to Romans 13 where they talk about obey all authority. And kings throughout history believed that they were separate. They were royal. They were not, they were not everyday people, right? They didn't mix and mingle with other people. Um, so they believed that they were high-born and these normal people were low-born. And when you watch those series, guys are living in opulence. They're living in a castle. The poor people don't even have food to eat. And obviously through history, that opulence and living in excess led to the rise of republics. So we have revolutions like the French Revolution, and people are like, ah, ah, ah enough is enough, right? Um, <clears throat> so likewise, we are going to fast rewind, not fast forward, fast, fast rewind to the first century. The first century in... A Rome, in the Roman Empire in a small city in Ephesus. Paul writes a letter to a church that he planted in Ephesus. This letter is written to deal with the issue of segregation in temple worship, among other issues. But in chapter 3, actually chapter 2 and chapter 3 are dealing with that issue. The Jews who had turned to Christ had problems accepting the Gentiles who had turned to Christ. The Jews thought they were special, just like I've mentioned the kings thought they were special, right? And they have some right to think they were special, right? They thought they were, you know, different. They were God's chosen people, and, and if it was you, you'd also think like that, man. As in, it is your tribe that gives rise to the Messiah, right? Uh, listen to what Paul himself says about being an Israelite. He says this in agony, but he says it nonetheless. In Romans 9, he says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. They have reason to brag, right? They have a direct relationship with Abraham. As our relationship is singing... Father Abraham, right? But theirs is a real relationship. So, when they turn to Christ, some, when they turn to Christ, they feel like, mm -mm, don't just mix, don't just uh, mix with us anyhow, right? We are, we are special. We are God's chosen people. And we also see people like Paul in the beginning thinking like that. So I imagine when Paul saw Jesus Christ chilling with outcasts 
chilling with every Tom, Dick, and Harry. He was like, what's wrong with this? This guy can't be the Messiah, right? Uh, us Jews, we don't just mix anyhow. Uh, you know the parable of the, the guy who was beaten. Guys were just passing on the side. You know the parable of the woman at the well. This one's not a parable, but a real story of the woman at the well. Guys were like, man, what, what are you doing talking to that chick? What are you doing speaking to that, to that woman? We are Jews. And so Jews had been blinded, Paul himself. God had blinded Paul so that he could unblind him by blinding him with a powerful ray of light, which made him blind for three days. And when he regained his sight, he was a changed man. Both his spiritual eyes and physical eyes were opened so that he could now see what God really meant when he called Abraham in Genesis 12. If you open to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, you will see that when God is calling Abraham, he says, I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So for any Old Testament reader, this should give you an idea of what God's plan is, right? But no, they were blinded. They thought, yeah, but mm -mm, I think this thing is, is ours as, as Israelites and as Jews. The mystery we talk about here was hidden, but not quite. If you read the Old Testament carefully, you would find that the salvation that was spoken about was not only for Israel, but for all. And actually, it would come through Israel. So the main issue here is, can God also save Gentiles, right? Can God actually save Gentiles? Is God of the Jews also God of the Gentiles? And we turn to Ephesians 3 to find out what the answer is. The title is the mystery, but it's not mystery at all because it is laid out especially for us uh, straight here, okay? So I'll read. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner, for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, so we know that Paul, on the way to Damascus, is arrested by Christ. And Christ appears to him, he's converted, and Christ says, now, Paul, you are going to be my apostle to the Gentiles. Actually, sometimes you may think Paul was a Gentile, because eh? he was always chilling with Gentiles, but he was actually a Jew, right? So God calls him purposefully to minister to the Gentiles, and he's saying that here. In verse 3, he says, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly here and in other letters, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by his Spirit. We shall see how it has been revealed to his apostles, right? The apostles spoken of here are the apostles who are there in the first century, right? The prophets that are spoken of here are the prophets who are there in the first century. We are going to see exactly how this mystery is revealed. This is the mystery. That Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus through the gospel. 
and of this gospel has made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which he gave me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery of of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through him, through faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering, which is for your glory. Okay? That is the text that we are discussing today. So, the problem, the Jewish versus Gentile problem. I've already told you, the Jews believe they were special. The Jews are people who originated from Israel, right? Israel is a place, but really Israel is a person, right? Jacob, right? So, these Israelites lived with God. They knew God. Their great-grandfather is Abraham, their grandfather is Isaac, their father is Jacob. And so the history of the Jews is that they were God's chosen people. They lived in, uh, they lived in Egypt after they had a famine. Their brother Joseph is sold into slavery. He goes to Egypt. He makes it big there, right? <laughs> and so he says, ah, you guys come. There's no food where you are but come and live in Egypt. They live there in relative peace and harmony for many years until Joseph and the Pharaoh who loved Joseph dies. Now, a new Pharaoh rises up. He doesn't like these guys. They are fruitful. They multiply. They are blessed. And so he decides to enslave them. Okay? So for 400 years, they're in slavery and they cry out to God and God hears their cry sends Moses to deliver them. He does so. They come out of Egypt and they move to Canaan, the land flowing in milk and honey. God continues to live miraculously with his people, meeting them through priests once a year in the tabernacle, uh, helping them win battles where they don't fight. They just sing and they win wars. They conquer their neighbors and they keep for lack of a better word, they were blasting, right? But they disobey God. He judges them. They go into exile. Then he delivers them. Then they disobey again. Then he sends them back into exile. And on and on it goes. In that time, I'm giving you a brief history of, of the Jews from creation to, to now. In that time, prophets come up and start prophesying about the Messiah who will come to die for them. During the departure from, Israel, from, from Egypt to Canaan, God gives them the law that they must live by and they have some sacrifices for sin offering and guilt offerings. The long and short of this is that they knew God. God gave them the law. They knew how to deal with God and therefore they should have been expecting the Messiah, right? So think about a young child being trained to become the next Ronaldo, right? You take him for training, from the age of three, every day is playing football, even chills out on studies, 
and then when he reaches the age of 16, ready to be signed for a club, he's a flop, right? He does not live up to the expectation. So this is building the sin offering, the guilt offering, the, the law, the sacrifices, the tabernacle, the priests, the Levites, all those things are pointing to Christ. But alas, these guys do not get the idea. In contrast, Gentiles were dead in their sin. They have no relationship with God, no plans for salvation. Really, they didn't have any law to follow. They were not anticipating a savior. In fact, they didn't even know they needed a savior, right? When I say Gentiles, I mean you guys, eh? plus those guys, but also us. Um, but when you see Isaiah's prophecy, I want you to turn to Isaiah 65. When you see Isaiah's prophecy, he says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call my name, I said, here am I, here am I. Speaking of the Gentiles, right? I repeat, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am. Turn to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 from verse 24 to 26. I don't hear you guys turning. Do you come with your Bibles? The digital. Ah, okay, okay. Romans chapter 9, 24 says, Even us whom he has called not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they, are will, they will be called sons of the living God. Still, in Romans chapter 10, we are building the case for the Gentiles. Romans chapter 10, verse 12 to 13. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 19, still Romans chapter 10. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. The foolish nation here is the Gentiles. Eh? Don't, don't feel sad. Eh? Verse 20. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. So Paul here is quoting Isaiah 65. Verse 21, but of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. I think some verses say obstinate. Some, some, some versions say obstinate, obstinate people. This, sadly, is the state of Israel 
even today. Then, when they were God's people, even now, when they are still God's people. They had the gospel, it was near them, it was around them, but they never believed it. They never believed that Christ was the Messiah. God arrested Paul and sent him to the Gentiles who did not, <clears throat> who did not know God, but were known by God. So in Acts 10, we're going to open Acts 10 and read, it's a bit long, but in Acts 10, we see this idea coming to life. It's there, theoretically, but we see it practically. We see that indeed God had a plan for the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10 records the story of Cornelius. Do you guys know who Cornelius is? Okay, let's flip our digital Bibles to Acts chapter 10. It's a very long story. I'll not read everything, but I'll pick out a few verses. I'll give you a summary of what happens. Cornelius is praying, and he's an Italian member of the... He's a soldier, part of the Roman Empire, and as he's praying, he sees a vision of the angel which says, send, send for Peter. Tell him to, to come here. And so he sends for Peter. Right? Simon Peter. Likewise, somewhere else where Peter was, he's chilling, I think, after his lunch, and it says that about the sixth hour before his lunch, because it says he became hungry. I'm sorry. Verse 10. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. In the trance, that is verse 11, he saw the, op the heavens opened and something like a great sheet de descending, being laid down by its four corners. In it were all kinds of animals, reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. You are hungry, right? You eat these things. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So after having that vision, he's confused. He's like, what does this thing mean? Then the guys that the Roman centurion Cornelius sent come and pick him. They're like, uh, hello? Yeah, there's a guy called Cornelius. He has said we sent for you and you come. And uh, we can pick up the story from, from verse 24. On the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, stand up, I too am a man. And he talked with him. He went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call a person common or unclean. Do you know why the parliament in UK is called House of Commons? It's for common people, right? The other house is called House of Lords. <laughs> right? I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask you then, why did you send for me? 
And Cornelia said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon at Tana by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in, presence, in the presence of God to hear what you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opens his mouth in verse 34 and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And for the word, of, and for the word he has sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, you yourselves know what happened. So he began to narrate to them about Jesus Christ. Peter, if he had not had this vision, would not have accepted. It's like, I can't, man. These guys, I'm Jews. These guys are Gentile. I can't go to your house. Secondly, this thing is ours as Jews. You Gentiles, look for another savior. But after that vision, he realizes that actually all along, the plan is for Jew and Gentile. So we read further in Acts chapter 11 that some guys here, that Peter went to chill with Gentiles. Acts chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers who were through Judea had the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, <laughs> the circumcision party, so like a political party, but the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? Like they were shocked. Of course, us, we are not shocked. Right? It's understandable. You're not Jews, you're not Gentiles, right? We are, uncircum we are the uncircumcised. So the circumcision party is asking Peter, how can you do such a thing? Uh, Peter had to quoza, quoza, like you guys. So he retells the story. I was chilling, then I had a vision, and, you know, I had a voice saying, take it. Um, do not call common what I have made clean. And verse 12 says, And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house, and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon. Simon Peter is the apostle that Paul is referring to when he says this mystery has been revealed to the apostles and the prophets. The other apostles are the 12, right? Simon Peter goes back and reports to the church and says, guys, you know what? Uh, the other guys, yeah? They're Gentiles, but they're part of us. And so we see that Paul writing to the church in Ephesus is trying to tell the Jews that you and the Gentiles are joint heirs. Receive them, do not block them. Do not put a stumbling block before them. Acts chapter 15, the last portion of Acts that we'll read, is the Jerusalem Council. Still, these Jews have not, they have not, they are still, they're not convinced, okay? Paul is sent to the Gentiles, he preaches the gospel there, many people get saved. Listen to what happens in chapter 15, a few pages after chapter 11. Chapter 15, 
But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Can you imagine any circumcised people here? Unless you are circumcised, you cannot, and not just any circumcision, according to the custom of Moses. So you can see that salvation for the Jews is tied to the law of Moses. You must be circumcised, you must offer gifts, you must do all these things. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate within them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders and declared, that, and declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the circumcision party, this is the party of the Pharisees, rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them, to order them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, the other Peter, eh? <laughs> the Peter who went to Cornelius' house stood up and said, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we have been saved through the grace of the Lord just as they will. All the, all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take, them from, to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agree as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and that all Gentiles who are called by, by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things from of old. Therefore, my judgment is, we should not trouble these Gentiles who turn to God, but we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations... Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. We see from this that the Jews have, there's a mystery. The mystery is salvation is for us and for us only. 
But God is saying, no, salvation is for all, but it is through the Jews, right? It is them that have the patriarchs, it's them that have the promises, it's them that have the Messiah, but it is for all. And as I was preparing, I'm not lost, or it is not lost on me that it's a difficult text to understand, especially because we're not Jews, right? And especially because we don't live in the tension of Jew or Gentile, right? But understand this, there was a great wall of hostility, too high to climb that if just, as in, who are you? Who's your father? Who's your mother? I'm sorry, you can't be saved, right? <laughs> Have you been to places where they ask who's your father and who's your mother? Right? We come from Christian homes. We come from Christian families. So it's, it's very difficult for us to see this conflict. Why do the Jews hate the Gentiles so much? In the Old Testament, God tells Jonah, can't preach to the Ninevites. Please. Jonah says, I'd rather die. Right? I can't. How? God, I know you that if I go and preach to these guys, you are merciful. They will turn away from their sins and then you will save them. Even then, Jonah said, I shall not. I'd rather die. He goes the opposite direction. He's eaten by a fish and comes back and preaches. <laughs> and, they, and they convert. So, you can see that the Jews have always thought that salvation is for the Jews. For the original recipients of this letter, they must have been seething with anger. They're like, why is Paul forcing us to mix and mingle with the Gentiles? Why does he want us to mix with unclean people? Can't we have a church for the Jews, a church for the Gentiles, right? We can meet on, on, <laughs> on WhatsApp, right? And unfortunately, this is what we have in the world today, right? Uh, of course, for us, we see ourselves as the Israelites. <laughs> yeah, we see ourselves as the Israelites. We are constantly quoting their promises. Um, of course, we're reading the Bible. And we don't see this as a huge problem. But when you read, uh, like in Galatians chapter 2, Paul and, Barnabas, uh, Paul and Peter almost go to blows, right? Let me just stand there briefly so that you see that I'm not telling lies. Galatians chapter 2. is just before Ephesians. From verse 11, um, okay, let me read from verse, from verse 1. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately, before those that seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running in vain. So Paul goes to the Jews. These are the disciples, the apostles. He's like, guys, I've been preaching this gospel, but first check for me and see that I'm on the right path, okay? Uh-huh. Before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they may bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, 
What they want makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. <laughs> Those I say who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw what I had been entrusted with, the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, for he worked, for Peter worked also through me, when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So now here Paul is recounting the Jerusalem council. He's like, we went to Jerusalem, we discussed these issues, they said go, and we went. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Peter is constantly recounting how these guys are not understanding. They're not learning. It's like salvation is for all of us. But these Jews seem to remain, they want to remain in a, a clique, in a closed Circle. They don't want to entertain that salvation is for all. And this mystery is the basis of our salvation. Because, guys, we are Gentiles, right? We're not Jews. I like what Muju mentioned before we started praise and worship. That we're grafted in. And we're grafted in because the Jews were obstinate. They were like, uh, obey? Okay, we shall obey tomorrow. This mystery is the basis of our faith. But also, it has become so commonplace that we now take it for granted. We have the Bible on our phone. We have the Bible in our home. We have access to the Bible. And this makes us vulnerable. We now become like the Jews, right? You heard what I say to them belong the promises, then belong the prophets, the covenants. So they took the grace of God for granted. What am I saying without saying? We as Gentiles have been grafted in. Let us not take this salvation for granted. Let us with boldness proclaim the gospel of no partiality. We are one in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, no slave, no free. Let us live holy lives as Christ's ambassadors. In Hebrews chapter 2, the scripture says, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So my question to you is, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? I guess it is fitting to end with the revelation. We started with a mystery, which is no mystery at all because it has been made known, but we end with a revelation. In Revelations chapter 7, this is what John sees. Revelations chapter 7, verse 9, it reads, After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, 
clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. In closing, if we forget everything I've said, just remember these three things. One, as a Gentile, you and I, who are part of God's plan from the beginning, right? God intended to use Israel as the Israelites to be the conduit through which we receive the grace of salvation. We are not an afterthought, right? We are in God's plan from the beginning. Secondly, we are one in Christ. It sounds like a cliche. It's easy to say we are one in Christ. But believe you me, we are not really one. Especially in the church, in the Anglican church, and in the church in Uganda, right? We have a lot of dissension and a lot of segregation. You who are hearing the message, you who are here, do not be like the world, okay? Or do not be like the Jews who thought that salvation was theirs alone. Treat everyone as you would treat your brother or sister. Because we are joint heirs, meaning that we share a father, right? The Banyankole say, Abi Shemwe, right? We share a father. So black, blue, yellow, the color doesn't matter, right? We are joint heirs. I remember in school, in, in high school, I don't know where you guys went, but we used to sing a song. I don't care what tribe you belong to. Do you remember that song? I think the choir will give it to us when I finish. <laughs> right? It was a good song because I think we're young. We really didn't care. But when you grow old, man, you start caring about people's tribes. You're looking for a marriage partner like, where? Ha. Do you cross that river? Ha. Guys, Christians, let, let the world do that. But for us as Christians, I don't care what tribe you belong to. For as long as the Father is there. If you feel like I feel in my heart, you are my brother, so give me a hug, right? You are my sister, so give me a hug. And we love that song <laughs> for the wrong reason, but we love the song, right? <laughs> I will not mention the reason, but, but this, is what the, this is what Paul is saying, that I don't care what tribe you belong to, Jew or Gentile, we are brothers. Lastly, don't put a stumbling block before others to receive salvation. Just like the Jews were saying, these guys... <laughs> They will make it even more difficult. Already there's a wall of hostility, but they're saying now be circumcised. You who are preaching the gospel today, there's no subscription fee. <laughs> there's no envelope. Just share the gospel. Preach the word. Preach the gospel. And the way you share the gospel also proves that you love the other person, right? You don't see someone you love going to hell, right? But then, of course, we are afraid. We're like, what will they think of me? What if I say the wrong thing? Uh, just, just preach. Just preach the gospel. Because um, it's the love that compels you. Yeah? It's love that compels you to, to say, brother, sister, you're going to hell, right? Um, if you don't change, if you don't receive Christ, 
the punishment, the wages of sin is death. And if you leave them in their sin, then really you're like, right? You're, you're leading them or you're encouraging them as they, as they, as they walk to, to hell. Um, you know, very many you know, Pan-Africans will say this religion, this Christianity that we've embraced is the white man's religion. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, people from England whose skins are white bring the gospel to us, especially if you look at Uganda in the late 1800s. But today, there are more black people than white people that are saved. Right? So if anything, it's a black man's religion. But it's no man's religion, right? It's not a religion of color or tribe. or It's not a religion of classes, nobility, lower people. That is not the case. The case is that Christ died to break that wall of separation, the dividing wall of hostility. Christianity is just followers of Christ. Simply put, and as we read in Revelations, that he's getting for himself a people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. So if you are there and you are thinking, ah, salvation is either for cool people, or salvation is either for, for people from a certain tribe, or salvation is for people who can read the Bible, no, salvation is for, for all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that, that you remove the, whole, the wall of hostility. We thank you that you call us, that we have the privilege of calling you Abba, Father. Father, will you strengthen us and encourage us to, to bring more brothers and sisters in the faith? Will you encourage us and strengthen us to to stop looking through tribal lenses or racial lenses or status lenses. Father, it's difficult because of our sin nature, but with the study of your word, with the encouragement of the brethren, with the cloud of witnesses that you've put before us, Paul and the rest of the Gentiles who turned to you, will you strengthen us? Will you encourage us? Will you lead us? Will you teach us to be ambassadors? reconciling the world to yourself. I pray all this, believe and trust in your son's name. Amen.